Before we get into today's podcast, we want to tell you about Bold Men on Campus, an ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. This pod is getting you ready for March Madness, and these ESPN basketball personalities give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking to the biggest names in the sport. That's Bold Men on Campus. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Emily Kaplan, Linda Cohn, welcome to the In the Crease podcast. We are five days away from the NHL trade deadline. These are the days, Linda, that always get so frantic and get everyone so energized. And we think some big deals are going to happen. And then we're going to have a five-hour studio show on Monday. And guess what? We're going to get Ben Chirot for like a first round pick. And that's the most excitement we're going to get. Tell me I'm wrong. No offense to Ben Chirot, of course. I know you didn't mean any. Uh, Yes, totally. We've seen it happen. But, you know, drips and drabs we're getting. And I don't have to tell you, Emily, because you have, you know, a pipeline to these GMs. But we're seeing a lot of GMs speaking out and saying, as opposed to this guy's available, like, for example, the Dallas Stars, for instance, really intrigued me. Obviously, they are competing for playoff position in the Western Conference and, you know, and Central Division, of course. But um, they've already said uh, a goaltender that I thought was going to be available, Braden Holtby, will not be available. Uh, you know, Jim Neal is saying that. And he's also saying uh, John Klingberg won't be uh in, he's not taking calls on Klingberg, their talented defenseman, who is on, who is not happy uh, with the negotiation so far and is a pending UFA. So I find that interesting and enlightening before the trade deadline, which is on the 21st. For sure. No, the Stars are one of those teams that at one point this year, I mean, they were thinking about a coaching change. They were saying, okay, maybe we trade Joe Pavelski, maybe we trade John Klingberg. You mentioned Braden Holpe, he was definitely in play, but they injured Anton Kadobin. Plus the fact that um, Miro Heiskin and their stud defenseman has mana right now. Plus the fact the team is playing well and well within the playoff race to a team that's totally in crisis, the Vegas Golden Knights, and we're going to talk about them later. Um, shows that, yeah, maybe they keep these guys around. And I joked off the top, Linda, that Ben Schrott's going to be the highest name to go. And he will go, and he's a great defensive defenseman, um, can uh, contribute a little bit everywhere, can eat up a ton of minutes. Any team that's going to get him is going to be very happy. But the big name that is going to go is Claude Giroux. Um, you know, I was had the Flyers games the past two Saturdays, have been around the team, have talked to some folks there. And you just get the sense of how challenging it's been emotionally because he is the heartbeat of their team. He is the captain. He's such a likable guy in that locker room. He's played there for 15 years and he never thought he would have to get to this point where he has to decide to leave. But in talking to Mike Yo and in talking to some players there, it's kind of the elephant in the room that it's going to happen. And they're putting on this incredible ceremony for him for his 1000th game, which he'll get to do at home against the predators on Thursday. The next game after that is in Ottawa. Maybe he plays. That's his hometown. That's actually where he got his first NHL start. So that'd be kind of poetic as a 1001. But after that, I think his time with the Philadelphia flyer here is done. And the two teams, Linda, I keep talking to people in the league, half of the league, half of the people I talk to are like, you know, I think Florida has a really good chance. I think that's his preferred destination. And I've also talked to a handful of people, including someone this morning who told me, deal in Colorado, already done. So that just shows you kind of where we're at at this point, where no one really knows anything. But those are two teams I absolutely keep an eye on for Claude Giroux. You mentioned the avalanche and good info regarding Giroux, of course. Um, 
you mentioned the avalanche and we've talked about it, Emily. Um, and I know I, I have talked about it. It's now or never for the avalanche. They had enough lessons already in the postseason, lessons about losing. We had Nas Kadri on our podcast last week. We talked about it with him. The time is now, and little by little, they're fine-tuning their team. They pick up Manson, of course. We know about that. They get Nico Sturm. They're doing this little kind of little by little, making this team deeper and better, knowing that there is an urgency for this club, the way they are put together right now from top to bottom. Their goaltending has been great of late. Darcy Kemper and, you know, twirling another shutout. Um, but it's the way they're playing in front of him, right, Emily? I mean, he's really hasn't had a lot of those, uh, like, 46 save shutouts or, you know, 46 save performances. Um, they're really helping him out and making it easier on their goaltending. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they still have another move uh, left in them. Uh, as Especially we told- if they put Gabe Landeskog and LTIR, Linda, because that opens up some more space for the regular season. Yeah, exactly. Um, for sure. So if I'm them as much as whoever I can get, I'm doing it because they are definitely all in. Um, we saw also, as we speak today, Emily, um, it's funny, our colleague, uh, Brian Boucher, I was uh, doing cut-ins and then crease on uh, uh, Tuesday nights of Panthers uh, game uh, against San Jose and he was on the post game with Levy and Weeksy. And I think they were talking, and he was talking about maybe it was during the actual telecast, the broadcast of the game, because he was in the booth with uh, Bob Wischusen. And um, I think Wischusen asked him about um, players Florida might be looking to obtain to get better. And it was interesting. Brian Boucher mentioned, he goes, even though Frank Vitrano was currently having a really good game and he finished with two goals, including the, the game winner in overtime, I thought it was intriguing at the time when Brian Boucher was saying, you know, the Panthers might be looking to move Frank Vitrano. Um, and I'm like, wow, really? I mean, he's one of these gritty guys and he's, you know, he's just had a great game, you know, against San Jose and all this. And wouldn't you know, Brian Boucher had that crystal ball going because the Rangers picked him up for like nothing, like a fourth round pick. I felt like I, I, I was like, I got to text Brian Boucher and tell him, way to go, Bush. What a call. That's an interesting move, Linda, because they did it for cap space reasons. That's a player they really like. He's going to bring some nice competitiveness and physicality to the Rangers bottom six. We know that we're looking for, you know, a little bolster down there. But originally the Florida Panthers wanted like a second round pick for him. And then all of a sudden you get closer and closer to the trade deadline prices start dropping and you're like, we just got to do what we got to do. But all together, what you learn from this is that the Florida Panthers are ready to go and be aggressive. And in talking to Pilzito, I know he's looking for a defenseman, but I also know that they want to view themselves as a place that's a destination that guys want to come to that would take less money or waive no move clauses because of the weather, the taxes, the golf, and of course the winning culture. And I think they're almost there. Yeah. Uh, totally agree with you. They're, 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 they're making the right moves for sure. You know, when you look at these standings, and, and again, it's worth repeating, Emily, the Western Conference is just so damn exciting. Uh, and it's going to come down to the wire, just like the NHL loves it. We don't have that as much in the East. And that's okay. But I want to get back to the West and, and the, the, the tumble into the cauldron of death I know that's a little dramatic for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, <laughs> continues because every time I look up, they're imploding. Um, 
it's really, what is it? The curse of Jack Geigel? What the heck is going on there? Uh, teams like the Vancouver Canucks and the Winnipeg Jets are now in play entering the day on this day when we speak on Wednesday. The Canucks one point back of Vegas for the final wildcard spot. And after being blown out by Winnipeg, the Jets are now two behind the Golden Knights. It's is a sorry situation for Pete DeBoer and his crew. Yeah, it's tough. And I was, um, I had their game on Thursday, obviously. It was the Jack Eichel game back to Buffalo. And in that game, I mean, firstly, you just saw Jack get more and more frustrated as the game went on and just, it wasn't going his way. And he was composed and saying all the right things ahead of time. And you just see his emotions spill out after. And I'm glad he said it. I'm glad that he showed his true colors of how he felt in that moment. And I think there are some people in the Sabres organization who heard those comments and said, wow, I think the world can see what we were dealing with the last couple of years. It wasn't easy. Um, all of that said, looking around that Vegas Golden Knights team, I was between the benches. Half of these guys weren't on the team to begin the year. Half before the year, I didn't know who like a handful of these players were. They have got to go to so many replacements because they've had so many injuries and it's not an excuse. They just haven't had time to gel as a group. And I do fear that time is running out, especially because right now Robin Leonard is injured and they're not getting the goaltending that can support them for how sloppy they're playing. And speaking of goaltending, Edmonton, uh, they had a four to one lead over Detroit after one period. And Miko Koskinen, who's no better than a backup goalie, who's playing and putting in a being in a position because of Mike Smith and his ongoing injuries as a number one. He's not good in that role. We all know this. Yeah, the Oilers survived and won that game seven to five. But when you go to a postseason, I feel like I'm a broken record. And for our younger listeners, records vinyl used to be a big thing, that phrase. But you know what I'm saying? This has to happen. Anybody would be an improvement, Ken Holland. Please go out and get this Oilers team a goaltender. I don't care what it takes. It will be an upgrade from Koskinen and or Mike Smith whenever he comes back and whoever else you want to bring up from whatever the AHL team is there. Emily, if we all know this, and we've been talking about it for months, why don't, why doesn't Ken Holland know that and this organization? Just like Colorado, there's an urgency to win now. I don't care what you say. If you're the Oilers, there is an urgency to win now with those group of players they got. And so what the Oilers would say is, we've checked out some goaltending options. We thought the prices were too high. We're not going to do anything to mortgage the next couple of years. We're not getting rid of a first round pick. We're going to ride it out with these guys. That's what they're saying. You're making me cry if I'm an Oilers fan. You're making me cry if I'm going to miss out on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and all of those talented players who we will not see get past a first round if they do, you know, make the playoffs. So right now, you know, they're in third place in the Pacific. But as we talked about, that can change in the drop of an eye. You know, the L.A. Kings, I'm going to be between the benches. I'm looking forward to it. I'm doing three Kings games in the next, I don't know, eight days, something like awesome. that, a week and a half. Yeah. And uh, they, you know, they're, they're coming off a game uh, last night that they just, there's still a team that concerns me, Emily, in this way. They're offensively challenged. Uh, anything you've heard from Rob Blake and company regarding are they can they go out? I know not having Victor Arvidsson there because of an injury has been a big loss 
bigger than most people thought it would be. But the top line has failed them. They cannot generate enough offense. They're getting the goaltending. I like what they got on the back line. Um, it's amazing to me they're still in second place. I think because the Ducks have fell, fallen off the face of the earth. They have. And people, oh, God, this is going to be a weird transition. Players are going to fall off the face of their roster soon because they're going to start trading some guys. You know, we saw them trade Josh Manson. Hampus Lindholm, I know they're working on an extension, but I also understand that other teams are calling on him and there's a chance that he does get moved. And I would be surprised if Ricard, Ricard Raquel doesn't get moved either. Um, my last two thoughts, Lyndon, I feel like we've gone through the entire league, which I love. I feel like this has been like us just word vomiting all of our thoughts that we've been repressing <laughs> right. for the last week. Um, we've got Steven Stamkos coming up and I'm so excited for this interview, but two teams that I think are going to surprise people of what they do. One, the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, I've heard them sniffing around a lot of big names. Um, you know, we see them as one of these teams that have a legitimate chance to win the Stanley Cup. I don't think they're going to do much. I think they'd like to add a depth defenseman if possible, but they already got rid of their first round pick in the offer sheet this year. They don't want to mortgage the future. They think they can win a Stanley Cup as is. And honestly, looking at that roster, I believe it. Um, and then a team that I think is going to be a little more aggressive than people think, or maybe they're sleeping under the radar and no one's talking about them. And for me, that's the St. Louis Blues. I know that they've been in talks with a lot of these defensemen, like Jacob Chikrin, whose injury is not that serious. He could get moved, like Mark Giordano, perhaps Ben Sherratt. So keep an eye on the St. Louis Blues to do that. And I know they were also talking to Claude Drew. I don't think he's one of their finalist teams, but you get the sense that Doug Armstrong is just going for it. And one more note that I'm just going to throw in, a team and the Eastern Conference that no one, and I, maybe I said this last week, but I can't, they, all they do is get better. No one is going to want to face, and that's the Boston Bruins, because they're putting it together. They're so well coached by Bruce Cassidy. They're getting the goaltending now. We talked about that because there's no Tuca looking over their shoulder. They're getting the goaltending. They're finding ways to win. They still have the core group, Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak. They're still making things happen. You know, as, as we speak, they're breathing down the necks of the Maple Leafs, the third place, and then... Just as we speak, and we're going to talk to, as you mentioned, Stephen Stamkos, you know, here's, let me just, again, I know this could be all outdated by the time you, you listen to it, but it's, it's worth talking about because there's Florida and kudos to them opened up a big lead in the Atlantic, but Tampa and Toronto and Boston are separated by just three points and that's it. Tampa, Toronto, and Boston are separated by just three points. Truly remarkable. Um, I don't know how this is going to play out. To me, that's the only thing worth watching in the Eastern Conference, not who's making the playoffs. We know the group, but where they're going to end up, Emily. Could not agree more. Some team that we know is going to be in that group and make the playoffs is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, and we thought it was cool to have one of our favorite guests become the first ever in the crease two-time defending guest and coming back for a second time. And that's Steven Stamkos, who's joining us now. And now joining us, we are so excited to talk to him. He is the captain of the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, Steven Stamkos. And Steven, you are the first repeat guest in the history of me and Linda's podcast. Do you feel like you did a good job the first time or do you even remember coming on the first time? That's the real question. <laughs> I do remember. I'm I'm honored to be the first repeat guest. I guess it just follows the uh, 
the trend that I've been fortunate to be on the past couple of years, repeat as cup champions and repeat as uh, guests on your show. So let's keep it going. My goodness, you could be a future broadcaster. You're very quick because <laughs> I, I had a feeling that's what I, Emily was going at and uh, we'll give her the credit. Okay, definitely. All right, uh, Stammer. Um, yes, you're the defending two-time Stanley Cup champ. I asked you this also when we had a chance to talk briefly. Funny story. I want to share this, Stammer, because well, so in Vegas during the All-Star break, you know, we had several superstars like yourself come sit in a private room and do a like one-on-one -on -one interview. And we were just getting going. You know, Stephen and I, Emily, were just on a roll. It was like question two. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the producer's like, uh, Linda, we got to stop this. And I'm like, what? Why? And they're like, uh, Connor McDavid is outside. <laughs> so disrespectful. Like, that, I mean, that just goes to show, right? There's there's different levels of a uh, of player and caliber in this league. And I, I accept the fact if Connor McDavid's at the door that you have to cut our interview short. So I understood. You did. You took the high road. You were like, it was just <laughs> hilarious. I had to share that with our listening audience. All right. But here's my here's my real question. And I think I asked you this uh, before Connor interrupted us was the fact that you're the captain. Your team just won back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. And then how do you get your team inspired? Because I know that sounds like a crazy question. Oh, Linda, of course they're inspired. No, I mean, we're talking a potential dynasty here. So what was the message and what continues to be the message in the room by you to get these guys focused on the final accomplishment, which is winning another? Well, I think that's the that special word that you just used dynasty that is uh, that is not thrown around very often in sports. So if you have a chance to go three in a row and, and hear that word be associated with your team, I think that's extra motivation right there. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing to do what we've done, but this group is just, we want to win. And We've added some guys that maybe weren't here the past couple of years that are veteran guys that bring so much to the locker room and on the ice. And there's motivation in trying to help them win and achieve their goals too. So there's always different angles you can look at it. Sure. There, there's also the angle, like you mentioned that, you know, we we've got our cups and now let's just kind of sail into the sunset, whatever happens, happens. But um, when you're in this, this territory that we're in when we're talking about potential dynasties um, there's motivation right there. And listen, it's, it's a long season. It's, it's a grind. You know, we, you know, you're going to be in, in the playoffs with how, you know, the position we put ourselves now, but we know how hard it is down the stretch and how you have to be feeling good about your game to get into the playoffs and, and go from there. So it's just, it's been easy. This group is, is really self-motivated and we push each other and we have a lot of fun doing it. Love it. Steven, I wanted to ask you, though, I know looking forward, looking forward, but I need to look back because the 2020 playoffs, honestly, was one of the most storybook moments and included that I've ever seen in all of sports. And that's when you miss the entire playoffs due to injury. You appear in one game. You pretty much play like one shift. You take one <laughs> shot and you score a goal. It was just insane <laughs> to me. So I just need to know because, you know, at the time, all we were told is lower body injury. There's a lot yeah. of mystery. Like, what was going on behind the scenes and like how hard was it for you to get ready and prepare yourself to have that one moment, which was so special? Yeah, it was, 
it was just one of those meant to be moments, right? Like you couldn't have scripted it any better. And obviously I would have loved to be part of that entire playoff run, but you know, I missed the, the end of the season there with, with core surgery on, um, on my right side and then was trying to rehab that. Then we had the big break and I was feeling really good and kind of closer to when we were ramping things up, getting ready a couple of weeks before the playoffs, I had a little bit of a setback on the other side and it just kept getting worse and worse. And I was trying to fight through it to get ready for the playoffs. And then the first round came and I wasn't ready. The second round came, you know, at some point, um, I knew I probably needed surgery on, on the other side, just from, you know, some compensation and, and some of the work and, you know, the things that we were doing behind the scenes to get ready. And, you know, it, it I really wanted to get in and it, it kind of came to the finals now. And I'm like, I need to at least give myself a chance. Like if I completely tear this thing on the other side, so be it. Like I want to be out there so bad. And, I thought I was at a point where I could come back and play the rest of the series. That that was the plan. By no means was anyone putting me out there thinking I was, you know, going to be at risk. But we put so much work in behind the scenes um, with our staff here in Tampa and some other people that helped me along the way. And I had to give myself a, a chance. And I went out there and it uh, it lasted a couple shifts before, you know, I, I, I tore it completely on the other side. But Oh. Uh, it was it was well worth it at, at that moment for me to get out there and be with the guys because I knew how hard they worked to get there and I knew I wanted to be part of it scoring the goal was you know one of the highlights of, of my career but it was uh it was just a crazy situation you know, we saw it on your face with the celebration of the Stanley Cup, what that meant. I mean, you could, you know, we we're all just trying to read your mind, but uh, we knew what that meant. And I can understand that it was worth further in risk, further, further, further injury, but knowing that the end was near in a great way. And that was a winning a Stanley Cup. You know, when we think about the Tampa Bay Lightning and we think about this core group, uh, I got to bring up the best goaltender in the league. I mean, even if he's not a Vezina finalist this year, but some say he's making his way toward that yet again. I'm talking about Andre Vasilevsky. Do sometimes, what is it like, whether you're on the ice, being on the bench, watching this guy perform when he does it, when he makes this big save? Uh, it's it, it amazes me. What it, What is it like having this guy as your teammate? Well, it's uh, it's amazing. I mean, we all think he's the best goalie in the world. We think he should probably win the Vezna every year, but he, he's a guy that is just so driven. You know, you see what goes on on the ice. He's the hardest working guy that, that we have off the ice, and that's preparing for games, preparing for practices. He's in the gym, working out, stretching, doing his routines. He's on the ice. He's laser focused, um, you know, so competitive almost to a, to a fault where, he takes things so personal and that's something that he's even grown with over the years is he just hates getting scored on. And sometimes when it's a long season, especially as a goaltender, the mental side of it, you need to let those things go a little bit, but that's what makes him so special as well because he has that competitiveness and he's a reason why we've, we've been as successful as we have. Um, you know, we played a game the other night in Chicago. He made about, three probably top 10 saves I've ever seen in my career in one game. Yeah. So he's just one of those guys that can just really kill the momentum of another team. When he gets in that zone, I think it gets in, you know, our opponent's heads a little bit that he's on his game and 
it's, you know, it's going to be a tough night to score. And, and some nights where we don't have our best early on in the game, he makes a couple saves. It gives us some confidence. We get rolling and, you know, people forget about those saves that he made at the beginning of the game that, that ultimately gave us that chance to win. And um, that's why we always say we, you know, we're going to be a contender until he's no longer our goalie uh, in the near future, because, you know, when he's in net, you know, we have a chance to win every night. Don't buy that. Like a goaltender to me is just a position that can totally swing a team. Okay. Absolutely. I have a, uh, a fun question for you. You know, you got to play in your first outdoor game and it looked sick. It was in Nashville. You guys all yeah. showed up in your denim on denim and went out on Broadway because <laughs> all the lightning fans came and it looked great. But it took you so long in your career to get an outdoor game because you're a team based in Florida. And so I'm just curious, are there other biases you feel that you guys have like against you just because you're in Florida or your smaller market, whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for sure we're starting to finally get that notoriety, I think around, you know, the league, obviously the success that we've had has, has helped that, but, you know, we got an all-star game a couple of years ago. We finally got into, um, you know, the outdoor game, like you mentioned, we really haven't been on national TV a lot you know, before the past couple of years. Um, so that was one thing I know the guys kind of talked about and we just kind of flew under the radar. And then, you know, you, you get players like Vassy and, and Cooch and Pointer and Headman and those guys. And now you start to get some attention and then you go on the runs that, that we have the past couple of years. And, you know, we're, I, I still think people kind of forget about us a, a, a little bit and that's fine with us. We kind of slide under the radar um, in terms of, you know, being marketed, you know, the national broadcast games, things like that. But I think this was a huge step in, in playing in that out, outdoor game. That was by far the best experience I've had in, in a regular season game. And it, it probably isn't even close with how amazing <laughs> that was. So Guys were so pumped to play in that. Obviously, Nashville, uh, the city that that, that was uh, that was really fun as well. We got to win and and go out and have some fun after together. But um, I haven't seen the guys that pumped up to play a, a regular season game in a long time. So hopefully, we can be part of more of those uh, things in the near future. Stephen, I've got some news for you. March nineteenth, ABC. We are coming down to Tampa Bay to broadcast your game against the New York Rangers. And out of all of these Saturday games on ABC, yours is the only one that's going to be prime time, not in the afternoon, at night. Well, there you go. So yeah, we're getting I, there. I, I, did, getting I there. did see that on uh, – actually, you know who brought that up? My uh, my wife brought that up because it's an 8 o'clock game, which is too late for my son to come to. So, well, uh, <laughs> it makes sense. It, it, it makes sense that uh, we'll be on prime time. So, um, but but like you said, it, uh, it that'll be a good one. All right, we'll get a babysitter and have her come out. Have her come out anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I want to talk, you know, people forget. It seems like so long ago, and it probably is, but I, the way time is flying. I mean, you've won, Steve, in the Rocket Richard twice in your career, 2010 and 2012. And now when you look at this race taking place this year, um, you got the usual Austin Matthews right there in the hunt. You got the other usual, Leon Dreisaitl. And as long as Emily brought up the New York Rangers, what's wrong with this picture? Chris Kreider is right there in the mix. I just want you, who have a two-time champ of this amazing award, 
breaking down the race this year between those three dudes. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. I think 60 goals for one of those guys is, is in play, which is, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, you know, like you said, you, you kind of have the, the guys that are in the mix all the time. And I think it's going to be tough to beat Austin Matthews with, you know, just kind of the, the hot streaks he, he can get. And I think you look at those three guys and you, and you look at some of the players that they play with. It's not a surprise that as a goal scorer, you always need um, some pretty elite playmakers to, to help you out. And the years, you know, that I won back then, you know, had Marty St. Louis right there beside me. And you look at dry with McDavid and Matthews with Marner and, and then probably under the radar, you, you see Kreider and, and, it maybe shouldn't be a surprise because he's got all the tools, but he's also got some elite playmakers in, in Zabinajad and Panarin and in Strom, you know, they're together. At least a couple of those guys are playing on the same line. That power play has been, been very good this year. So that's, that's kind of the key to win that award. You look at how many times Ovi's won that and he's had, you know, Kuznetsov and Backstrom. So you, you need those elite playmakers and those three guys have them and, you know, it's, it's good to see, you know, Kreitz having such a great year. He's been, he's been in this league for a long time. We've had some good battles with them in the playoffs and um, he's a guy that around the net knows exactly where to go and, and where to stand. And he's that big body and an elite skater and you put play him with some elite playmakers and, and he's having an outstanding year. All right, Linda, he's really coming for our job. That was a pretty good answer, but um, <laughs> we're, you've been so generous with your time. So the last thing I got to ask you is you've been so generous because you're in Winnipeg, uh, the best road city on the road uh, <laughs> that you get to go to. So what are the big plans in the peg tonight when you hang up with us? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's find a place to go for dinner and then probably call it an early night and come back to the hotel and get some rest. It's uh, especially for us soft Florida guys that have been in, in Tampa for as long as we have anytime it gets below 50 degrees, we, uh, we tend to stick in the hotels. So that'll, that'll be the plan today. <laughs> I get that. I moved to SoCal, Southern California four years ago and boy, my, and I'm a New York gal, Stephen, as you know, and I, I don't venture out and it does, it can get cool here. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's 50 degrees. I'm I freezing. Know. You know? I know. No, I joked, I joked about it at the all-star game when we were outside doing that event in Vegas and some people were coming after me cause I'm Canadian and I should, should be able to handle that. But 14 years in Tampa, the blood thins out. So. Yes. Uh, I got one more, Steven, you mentioned your son Carter. I can't get over what a delight that was, how cute it was. He, got his wish granted Carter <laughs> rode the Zamboni that was just such a fun scene that was uh that was his two and a half year old dream come true so far so <laughs> it was uh it it was pretty amazing he got out there uh after he saw the Zamboni in Vegas for sure at the all-star game and then as soon as we got back um he's now the biggest celebrity in the house by a mile and he got to ride the Zamboni at the lightning game the other day. Yeah. So, um, so your second was, fiddle to Connor McDavid in the league and second fiddle to your son in the yeah, house. It's yeah, rough. exactly. Exactly. So that's usually how it works, right? Yeah. Yeah. Get used to it. All right, Stephen, we're going to let you go again. So we so appreciate your time taking a few minutes uh, to be with Emily and I, and we, and wishing you continued success and uh, not only with the lightning, 
but you individually as you continue enjoy this run because we continue enjoy watching you play. Well, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on again. Our thanks to Steven Stamkos for joining us. And yes, this is the week that they are going to be on primetime ABC, 8 p.m. Eastern. Steven, I hope you and your wife get the babysitter so she can come. Maybe you just put your kid down for a nap a little earlier so he can come and see the Zamboni. I know he's a big fan, um, but we're really pumped for that game. And it's against the New York Rangers, a team. Those two teams have a bunch of history, a bunch of common players, a bunch of players traded back and forth. So I'm really excited for that one. It's going to be great. Could be an Eastern Conference final preview. And one player who did play for the Rangers teams that have gone up against the Lightning in some of those great battles, he's one of our coworkers now, Linda, and it's Dom Moore. And we decided to bring him for this edition of the uh, Five Minute Major. And he's a big analytics guy. Is the biggest thing I learned about him since working with him. Um, I didn't realize how into, you know, looking at the game at an analytical level he yeah. is. Um, he loves numbers and things like that. So that was kind of the premise of what we wanted to bring him for. I, I know. And I just got to say this, Dominic Moore, the name of our segment is five minute major. I don't know. We'll have to get into research to find out if he ever, ever took a five minute major. He's not <laughs> the fighting type, as you know. He's definitely not. So he's kind and nice. And he joined us for five minutes. Five minute major. Time for our fabulous segment. It is so popular. People are chiming in on social media. It's called five minute major. We like to do this as Emily knows, every uh, podcast that we have, and we have a special guest, one of our incredible broadcast colleagues, former NHL star, former Ranger great, as I like to call him, Dominic Moore joins us now. Dom, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Pleasure to be with you. All right. We know you're a big stat guy. So, you know, it's actually I got to give uh, props to Emily. She thought of this idea. So I'm giving I'm props to her. I report. I know what our analysts like and okay and so it's good you yes. share it share you share your intel with all the games you report yeah. on so Dom's to, a big to, stack to be guy. clear to be clear i'm a big stack guy in in the sense that if it helps tell the story of the game and not just stats for stats but i'm a hockey player first and foremost but i like okay. to use stats as an as an analyst because it helps me add some evidence behind what i'm saying and that's kind of where i bring it in I'm not just bringing it in, you know, for nothing. All right. We're going to give you, since it's five minute major, we're going to ask you for five examples of that, where there's a stat that had come into play where you could tell a story and off the top of your head, give us your five. Okay. Uh, well, the first, you know, the first one is pretty straightforward. It's just the scoring chance differential. And the reason I prefer this over something like expected goals is because the expected goals models, if you look around, are all a little bit different. Uh, some of them take into account things like, you know, whether the goalie is being screened or not. Uh, the, the reality is that our data is very imperfect right now, whereas traditional scoring chances are just a little bit more reliable in terms of, again, the question is the story of the game. Well, the, the scoring chances tell that. Now, the, the one thing, though, that I will say is I like to break it down further into the quality, uh, the grade of scoring chance and how, you know, how many teams had grade A chances uh, versus the other. And so to me, that would be the first one. Um, the second one would be the goals saved above expected stat. <laughs> and that one, I'm, I'm just coming off of a 9-2 a, a 
drubbing the Phoenix Coyotes laid off on the Detroit Red Wings um, that I called that game. And uh, the goal saved above expected number really tells the story in that game because the expected goals were three. There should have been three goals scored on the Red Wings. Uh, the reality was there was nine. Uh, so that, that tells the story of, and again, to clarify for people who don't know what expected goals is, it basically is, it takes into account the quality and the quantity of the shot. So, you know, if you take the shot locations, which are tracked around the ice from where they're taken, there's an average probability that that shot will result in a goal. And so if we take all those probabilities and add them up through a game, we have an expected amount of goals that should have been scored based on the locations of those shots. And so what we can extrapolate from that is the goalie should have made this amount of saves and it should not have let in this amount of goals. And so that's where that's, that comes from uh, another reference point in terms of, again, telling the story of a game, the expected goals number for the 10, seven Maple Leafs game between both goalies was over 12. Ooh. So it's, it was a shocking number that we hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, but again, really tell this, told the story. We know who to blame pretty much is what you're saying. <laughs> it's always easy to blame the goalies, right? But yeah, uh, Linda, your thoughts? Uh, I sat through that 9-2 drubbing, and even I was, uh, you know, blaming the goaltending last night. So, uh, yeah, sometimes you yeah. have to. Sometimes you have to, but they also, you know, deserve a lot of the credit a lot of times yes. uh, when things go well. So. Uh, Igor Shesterkin is his expected goals gold saved above expected is like through the roof. Um, so that that tells a story in its own right, too. Um, it can also indicate too, like how the team is performing, you know, relative to the goaltending that they're getting, which I think is always an interesting thing to assess. That's great. I mean, I know we have to keep ranking this and I know we're right. The five minute major is going to turn into a 10 minute misconduct. And you can blame me, but that is why I think Shesterkin, as every game goes by, just to what your point is, the way your team plays. I mean, look what happened to the Rangers last night against Minnesota. I mean, I just knew Georgiev was in net. It's like the team just like, oh, that's the Rangers I thought were going to be the Rangers. Isn't isn't that telling? Uh, yeah. You know, to me, the, to me, the the list for the Hart Trophy is is Igor Shesterkin, and there's no one else on it. And to me, it's that it's that close of a case. Um, in terms of avoiding the ten minute misconduct here, the next two all group together, and they kind of go together, and they're they're just the traditional stat, and that's the power play, the number of power plays that each team has, uh, and then also what they did with them. And the reason it sounds simple, but the reason I think those are always important is that they do tell what happened in the game because from the number of power plays you have, you can say potentially things like, well. They really caused this team to take penalties because they were defending the, you know, the whole night or, you know, it talks about the momentum changes within the game. It could, it could talk about the mistakes that feeds into how many power plays each team has. And then of course the special teams battle, what they do with it. You know, if you get good penalty killing uh, you know, as a penalty killer myself, I know how important that is in terms of determining the outcome of the game. So those two always go hand in hand. And then the last one, will be a bit of a joke. And that's the number of times that the coaches yell at the refs. And that 
stat is always telling because we all know <laughs> with every game there's a there's a controversial call that the coaches don't like that somehow had an effect on the game and we always always end up talking about it. All right, this was perfect, Dom. Uh, it goes without saying. We thank you. Uh, we're having fun with this um, this five minute major into it, which and we gives us an opportunity to get our colleagues in the podcast, which we like a lot. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Can you tell that Dominic Moore went to Harvard or can you tell that Dominic <laughs> Moore went to Harvard? Mike, he is the smartest guy in the room. I know he hates us when we say stuff like that, uh, but I had to say it because it's the truth, Emily. Oh, so it's true. But for a Harvard guy, I like what he said, though. He's not using numbers gratuitously. It's not just stats for the sake of doing stats. It's because they can help share the story of the game. Um, and really what we all got into this, I think. We love the game and we love the stories around the game and telling those stories. So that's where I think analytics has a place in our game and our broadcast and the way we present it to fans. You sold me. Okay, cool. You're a fancy stack girl now. Um, what I am this week is traveling again, Linda. It's been a pretty exciting stretch of me getting to know the TSA checkers at the O'Hare airport. Um, they are starting to know me and my travel habits, like, like to arrive five minutes before boarding starts. So I'm going to try to get there on time because I'm going to Tampa this weekend. As I said, I'm so excited. Um, it's going to be a really fun primetime game between the lightning and the Rangers, two teams we expect to go deep in the playoffs. And then from there, I take a direct flight to Hartford BDL because on Monday is the trade deadline and we'll have coverage all of our ESPN networks, ESPN Plus, it'll go on to ESPN2. It's many hours, a lot of good stuff. Kevin Weeks will be there. I think that John Tortorella will be there. I'm sure that Bucci will be there. I will be there, and we'll be trying to break it all down for you. That sounds great. I will be between the benches, Kings, Sharks, on uh, Thursday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day to one and all. Of course, I'll be hosting in the crease. And then uh, next Tuesday, I'll be between the benches again for the Kings, uh, and then the following Thursday. But we'll get into all of that. Boy, maybe I can bring the Kings some luck and they can win three in a row. Not that I'm biased, but I'm sure that will be the thought process because the Kings players will be looking at me in the bit between the benches. Go, not you again. So either I'll be a good luck charm for them or I won't be. So we'll see how that goes. Love it. You can be a good luck uh, St. Patrick's Day charm. There it is. I make sure I'll wear my green. Good call by you. You're right. Thank you. Better You're welcome. That's it. Okay. Green it is. <laughs> <laughs>